Coming up this week on Breaking Badness. Today we discuss Conti for Two, the initial access broker with ties to Conti. Next up, SAT, come on already, potential threats to SATCOM networks. And of course, our fun game, Two Truths and a Lie. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 115, recorded on March 21st, 2022. I'm your co-host, Kelsey, Jill of all trades, master of pun, LaBelle. With me, co-host Tim, whatever happened to the Georgia satellites, Helming? And last but not least, Taylor, Chrome is hungry for a bowl of ramen. Wilkes Pierce. Welcome, folks. Hello. Hello, hello. Is it that? Yeah, what did happen to the Georgia satellites? I haven't heard anything about them in years and years. I wonder if they're still together. I hate to admit I don't know. Is this a band? Yeah. Yeah, they had a big they had a big hit in the eighties and uh, they might have been a one hit wonder. I I think they had maybe more than one, but maybe you can catch them up muscle shoals. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) That's right. They they probably you, recorded there. Would you sing a chorus for us, Tim? Um, no, because it's <laughs> sort of semi NSFW. I mean, it's probably not too bad, but uh, also I couldn't remotely try to uh, imitate the the vocal style. But you know, they were kind of a bluesy uh, southern rock blues type band. Fascinating. I'm going to be doing some research after the fact here. I feel out of the pop culture loop. <laughs> also, I mean, this particular loop is from the 80s. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, fair. the 80s are going to be huge again, right? I mean, we are we they sort we're sort of redoing them now. You In know, about like, 58 uh, years, we're going to get another chance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> halt and Catch Fire was was a big homage to the 80s. So was Stranger Things. That's true. Well, the 90s are also also kind of there and coming back, I'll say right now. And I feel like all of the memes around the Internet are like, please, God, not the low-waisted pants. Please don't do that to us again. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I, uh, you know, with all these decades that, are, that we're rehashing, I mean, rehashing decades just seems to really be a thing. And uh, I, I, we don't have to do them in order. Like, you know, we, but it seems like that's how we did it. So we did the seventies. Uh, we, we redid the seventies. That's quite a while back now. Uh, what we were probably redoing the seventies in the nineties to some extent, there oh. were a lot of bell bottoms around and so forth. Tie dye made so, a resurgence. Yeah. Yeah. So now we're redoing the eighties and I guess we're, we're getting into redoing the nineties, but like, I mean, there's no reason we couldn't redo the sixties right now. Uh, or the, who knows, you know, the forties. When does 50s? the 70s become the 90s become the 70s? Like, which Again. one are we actually emulating? Gosh. That's true, right? It, it's like it's like re-recording on tape. It just it gets a little less distinct every time you make another copy. It's like re-recording on tape. It becomes less... Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, that's too deep to consider. So let's just talk about InfoSec instead. <laughs> Oh, heck, okay. Yeah, the easy stuff. <laughs> the easy stuff. 
these are the easy problems to solve, right? <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, we, we have our first article of our two today in our typical format here, which is Conti for two, the initial access broker with ties to Conti. So Conti is like, like we have a little bit of a love obsession with them right now at Breaking Badness. <laughs> like um, we talk about them a lot. They started it. Yeah. Well, it's really like a hate obsession, to be clear. We're not fans of this rant. I was going to <laughs> jump in with that clarification. Yeah, that's... Yes. Uh, yeah. Tom Hanks, please don't take that. If somebody, you know, turns that audio clip and 30 seconds messes with the internet, don't let that get to you. Listen to the full context of the episode. We promise we don't like Conti. Anyway, so Google's thread analyst. Google's threat analysis group, known as TAG, observed a financially motivated threat actor working as an intermediary for Russian hackers, including the Conti ransomware gang. Taylor, 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 Taylor. Exotic Lily, which is yeah. no longer just a fun fragrance from Victoria's Secret, is the group's, uh, is the group Google's TAG is the group Google's Threat Analysis Group, or TAG, found to be an initial access broker. Can you explain what that means for folks who may be unfamiliar? Yeah, so you know, as uh, the adversary side of InfoSec becomes uh, kind of more specialized, uh, what we see are you know, groups or, or orgs that you know, specifically dedicate themselves to really honing their craft at, at a, a few couple of things, right? So for these guys, they're, they're, they're really involved in that initial access, that initial break into a network. Uh, and then they will turn around and sell that access to you know, someone who's got kind of more dangerous designs on uh, how, how they want to leverage that access. So, you know, be it ransomware, dumping data out, or, um, you know, even just piv pivoting around uh, before you get there, right? So you want to have that kind of initial access opened up for you. You can spend more of your time uh, if you're on the ransomware side of things, working on, you know, encryptors, uh, you know, working on better ways at uh, kind of doing the pivoting around internal to a network uh, and then kind of save the initial stuff for teams like this who specialize in it day in, day out. Day in and day out, indeed. So what exactly has Google observed from this group? Are their tactics more traditional or are they more exotic <laughs> yeah it is interesting they got that that tag name exotic lily um you know the so some of the tactics here are very just tried and true like some of their you know kind of base core components into how they trick folks into handing them their credentials or you know handing them access to or, or like downloading malware in this case uh you know they will register like uh, company.us to, to spoof company.com right so they're registering Lookalike domains, doppelganger domains that are exact matches, uh, you know, either in dot, uh, the domains that they published in their RSC list, lots of the dot US or dot CO, which is the country code out of Colombia, which can look a lot like a dot com. Um, you know, that stuff is pretty traditional. Some of the I'd say some of the, the newer advancements they're bringing here are uh, like their ability to scale their research into uh, these organizations, again, because they're solely focusing on this. Kind of just the initial access thing. They've they've really gotten good at um, kind of setting up fake personas, or in this case, you know, setting up even real personas uh, for for folks inside of an organization, just on the spoof side with fake social media. Uh, you know, either using 
you know, AI faces to make kind of a lookalike recruiter or a fake recruiter uh, or um, faking people inside of your organization, uh, you know, taking data from uh, publicly available knowledge, you know, data around them to help gain access or to gain the trust uh, in your inbox, as it were, uh, to kind of leverage you and then get you to um, download uh, malware. And then some of the interesting thing about the malware stuff is that, you know, they're using legitimate file sharing services to deliver this stuff. So the, the you know, they're not even sending the email for the notification that the malware is ready for download, right? Like, hey, go get this thing. They're, they're, they're leveraging the legitimate services to do that delivery, which we've seen before. Um, you know, I think we talked about this a few weeks, a, a few weeks back, and we gave it some hoodies, um, the ability to leverage these kind of, uh, these are expected emails or emails that are legitimate from a OneDrive or a, a WeTransfer or what have you. Uh, those will go right into your inbox telling you, hey, you've got this, you've already been tricked by the lookalike domain and the kind of fake persona on the other side to expect this thing. And since you are primed, you then go ahead and kind of load that malware, <laughs> load that up and give them their initial access. Interesting. And, and Taylor, you spoke to this or alluded to this a little bit earlier in that last response there, but it seems like their techniques are fairly slick here, especially with that from aforementioned AI-generated human face and their effort in building trust. So is there any way that victims can spot this sooner? I'm having flashbacks to deep fakes. Do you remember when that was like all the rage and then that seems to just <laughs> die off, but this is, well, a, is kind of bringing that back a little bit to the forefront, at least of conversation. Yeah. Uh, I love the, the AI generated face. So yeah, I mean, that's one where, um, you know, if, you, if you've been to like this person does not exist.com, which is then kind of morphed into like this cat does not exist or like this sneaker does not exist.com, which where folks are using these, uh, these ML networks to uh, like create new things uh, that, that look like things they have been trained on. And so in this case, the faces, the sneakers, the cats, you know, they're, they're trained to like given lots of them to look at and they kind of create new ones. Um, it is tricky. So ways to spot it sooner. One, you know, obviously from like the uh, detection side, like you've got to be looking for doppelganger domains on your own brand names, uh, you know, picking those up and then adding those to your blocking rules as a way to scale out protection against this uh, across an organization. Obviously, folks being very careful about, you know, either new emails or emails that, uh, you know, maybe don't look quite right or, you know, ex kind of examining the domains in the emails, which we're, that's asking a lot of folks <laughs> to do uh, because of how slick these things are. Um, but certainly, yeah. Uh, and then on the AI faces, it's always in like the ears are always off or the eyes are always off. But I'm joking. I don't think anyone's going that far and looking at them <laughs> beyond just like, hey, this kind of passes as a person. Um, but yeah, I think really doing detection on lookalike domains and, and again, having folks who are very vigilant, um, about the domains in their email, uh, inbox, probably your two keys to spotting this sooner. I will mention, uh, by the way, that deep fakes are, are not, they haven't really gone away completely. I saw an article just the other day that was something related to the Ukraine war and it was determining that, that something that had surfaced was a deep fake. So yeah. It's definitely still out there. Yeah, the deepfakes want you to think they've gone away. Somebody exactly. deepfakes someone telling us the deepfakes have gone away. Ex exactly. 
But I'd say, to be clear, I don't think they've gone away. But more generally speaking, they're not as hot of a topic of conversation as they were closer to the 2020 election. This is more my argument there. Um, And every time that AI comes up, I can't help but want to reference uh, the Twitter account PHP CEO, which I don't think has been active for years, potentially, or maybe it is now. I'm not quite sure. Um, But there's a great, a great tweet from, I think it was, this one was fairly old around like, who is this Al everybody keeps trying to hire? How do I hire Al? And it's just like, oh, it's AI. Um, yeah. It just gets me every time. Anyway, that is that is fascinating. And Taylor, I had never heard of that website before. And I, I did take a look-see while we were chatting or while you were speaking there. And wow. That did is, I get that domain right? Oh boy! Yeah, you did. Or, okay, good. Or if not, something bad just happened, and I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a human face. This is malware.com. That's what you said, right? Yes, yes, that's that? what I said. Yes, perfect. XYZ. <laughs> oh gosh! So, who who are these folks traditionally targeting? Yeah, they cast a really wide net. Uh, so for the the Google report here, they're saying they're you know sending up to five thousand emails a day targeting 650 global organizations. It seemed like they were uh, kind of highlighting IT and cybersecurity and healthcare, uh, but in the post kind of November 21 or 2021 timeframe, they've seen them going after just about everybody with, with a little bit less specific focus. That's what you like to hear. Going after <laughs> everyone. Everybody. <laughs> just everybody. You could be next. Um, yeah. That's that is interesting. And is there any indication of where these threat actors are located and who they uh, they might be working with? Yeah. Again, the Google team here, they taking a look at, uh, you know, when these things seem to be most active. They're guessing that this org is in Central or Eastern European time zone, uh, you know, in terms of who they're working with. Obviously, the Conti group. Uh, you know, being that's the, the headline stealer there. But, you know, the, it's for initial access brokers on some level to work with just about anybody. So, uh, you know, it, it's not just those folks that you need to be worried about. Because they're saying, hey, this is a discrete entity in and of itself offering these capabilities for hire, um, you know, just because the, the, they've worked with the Conti folks in the past. Um, you know, I think. They call them the wizard spider or fin 12, <laughs> all these different names for these things that, um, you wizard know, the, 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 yeah, spider. We, we'll probably see them more. I, I have to admit the one thing that might make a mascot less intimidating is putting no. a little wizard hat on it. I would be less <laughs> scared of spiders if they had tiny little wizard hats. I'd be a little more scared. Cause would you? Like, well, what you? Yeah. Well, because what powers got might they have, you know? Eight limbs and you can cast spells? Like, I'm <laughs> Interesting. Um, I want to do some sort of Stanford research project on this. Watch out, prisoners experiment. Let's see how see, people do. You know, there's a lot of uh, news about microdosing with psychedelics right now. So does that mean you just see really small things uh, <laughs> like spiders with wizard hats? <laughs> People are actually mispronouncing it. It's micro-dossing, um, and it's, it's oh, a very oh, that's solving MS DOS 5.0 on as many things as you can. Taylor, well, I got one more question for you on this topic, which is: What is Google's response to this this group, and what actions 
are they are they suggesting take place um, on behalf of users or that they're hoping to implement on their end? So yeah, on their side, you know, obviously they have uh, some surface area with which they can kind of fight back on this in terms of inboxes, Gmail, uh, and then also in the browser uh, through Chrome. So through Gmail and safe browsing, they're you know adding additional warnings for emails that are coming out of uh, like contact forms, better identification of spoofing domains, uh, and even adjusting the reputation for some of the email sharing notifications. So the the you know OneDrive emails that you get to say, hey, you got a file, you know, maybe they'll say, hey, you might, this file might not be what you think it is just because it's uh, hosted there. Uh, and then, you know, working internally with their investigation group to share details around these actors uh, with law enforcement as well. Excellent. <laughs> Taylor, the way you said in the browser just makes me think of that famous scene from Zoolander where it's like, the files are in, in the, the computer. computer. <laughs> yeah, Google is in the browser. In the Google's in the browser, <laughs> yes. <laughs> or that uh, moment on The Simpsons where Homer declares, they've got the internet on computers now. <laughs> that was a terrible imitation of Homer Simpson, sorry. <laughs> that was pretty good, that was pretty good. Oh, man. That just makes me, this is like bringing me off on a TV show tangent of my brain to the IT crowd in that episode where Jen thinks she has the internet in a black box because they tell her, uh, the, the two other guys <laughs> oh, tell her she yes. does. And they're like, oh, she's going to look like such a fool. But then everybody else believed her. And it was, it was, wow, that show is fantastic. Anyway. Okay, all of this to say, now that Taylor has given his summary and analysis, let's maybe rate this on our hoodie scale. And that, that's the scale of 0 to 10 if you haven't had a chance to tune in before or you forgot how this works episode to episode. But 0 is essentially a neutral rating. Um, it's best case scenario. It's water cooler talk. And then 10 is something is very, very bad. And you should basically drop your, your headphones or listening device of choice and, and go take a look Um uh, for yourself and, and hopefully not come across it on your own network or in your own ecosystem, whatever that might look like. So, and we're playing off the cliches of, of hackers and hoodies and all these things. So how many defenders essentially would it take to solve a remediator uh, to figure out whatever's happening in that discussion? So with that, with all that to say, um, Tim, let's start with you on what your hoodie rating looks like here. I mean, you know, the the actions of things like these IAB groups are always going to morph and change a little bit. So there's a certain amount of steady state. And, and the, you know, this article, this research by TAG is great. And uh, I don't mean for that to sound like it's diminishing it at all. But, um, you know, we're, I mean, that, that's the nature of this, that we're going to see new TTPs from these groups. And they're going to be harder to detect for a while. And then, you know, we'll get better at detection and, uh, and so forth. And that's why this is just an ongoing arms race. Uh, and the fact that they have ties to Conti, you know, Conti is kind of the, the new hotness right now. And then they won't be at some point because some other group will be the new hotness. And this group will probably be providing a IAB services for them as well. So I will say uh, because of some of these techniques, you know, they're using the legit uh, file sharing services and so forth, some of the things that make them look a little more real and a little less easy to detect. Let's call it five, five hoodies right now, um, because it's a little, maybe a little bump up from some of the usual um, activity. But 
you know, again, that's that's the nature of this business that we're in. And so to get a high hoodie rating, I think you have to rise above the noise level. And I think this is rising a bit above the noise level, but not hugely. Put me down for five. Five it is, five it is, five it is. Taylor, how about you? <laughs> I hear a five. Do I hear a six? Do I hear a six? Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I think your, your points are pretty, pretty valid there. What makes this one a little more interesting to me is the, and we've seen this for a few years now, uh, but the push toward the specialization uh, of different parts of the, the kind of you know, kill chain or attack frame, whatever you want to talk about. Like, you know, the, the fact that you now have an organization that is, um, you know, focusing their, their, you know, they're practicing their, their one kick 10,000 times, right? Um, the, the, the Bruce Lee thing. So that is, um, makes this a little more interesting to me. You know, the, the scale of their personalization efforts is also pretty interesting. Um, I think that that, you know, you're just, you're making it a lot, they're making it a lot more difficult for folks to, to sniff them out um, with, with some of the efforts they're taking here. I, I'm probably gonna go six, six hoodies, um, you know, cause look, they've already been involved in, with some, uh, fairly notorious folks <laughs> to begin with. And it doesn't seem like they're really going anywhere and, and they'll probably evolve and get better, uh, at, at this as well. But just looking, you know, uh, on our side here, um, you know, this is one of those reports that is chock full of domain IOCs for us here at domain tools. So even when we look at the way that they register and host their domains, they're clearly a cut above, right? They're, um, you know, they're, they're registering with, they're not hiding behind privacy. They're using uh, aliases, new aliases. And in fact, not only are they using aliases, but they're using registrant org details that they know are going to get picked up that are shared with uh, historical registrations, you know, 10 years plus. Uh, to, to you know, hide in that noise as well. So they're really, um, they're taking their time on that stuff as well, which is interesting. So that, that to me kind of bumps them up to six hoodies. Yeah, I think that's a good point about the specialization. I mean, and of course we see that on the, on the defender side and the vendor world as well. There's, yeah. there's lots of, and you see somebody carving off a new niche of specialization as some technology makes that possible or some conditions out in the world make that necessary. But yeah, that's, that's a really good point. I mean, it, it does, it means they're going to be better at these particular parts of the, uh, of the whole process. You know, I have to say that if, and I know that by, by expressing this in a public forum, I've, I've ruined this for myself, but if I were ever able or willing to turn to the dark side, my alias would be Jennifer Gardner, just so people would have a reference to an alias about an alias, then that that would that would be my mo for sure. No. Yeah, question. I have a question. Should we like should the Google tag folks use Victoria's Secret fragrance names for all of their actor names? Are they not doing that already? I kind of just I don't expected know. That that yeah. I mean, that's so. a really good question. And then right? then you know the thing would become if there were too many actor groups and they were running out of them, do they have enough clout to get Victoria's Secret to start? putting out more fragrances so that they can keep naming actor groups after them. You know, retail yeah. organizations are really suffering and maybe this back door <laughs> through cybercrime is how we're getting there to keep them up and running. <laughs> <laughs> it's a conspiracy <laughs> by Victoria's secret for more fragrances. Yep. Yeah. We'll keep a close eye on that. That's my number one concern at the moment. 
A great point, Tim. <laughs> well, time will tell, right? Time will tell. Um, putting the secrets in Victoria's Secret, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, let's talk about our next topic du jour, which is sat. Come on already. So threats to the SATCOM networks are, they're happening. And CISA and the FBI said today, or actually not today at the time that you're listening to this, that they're aware of possible threats to satellite communication, known as SATCOM, um, both in the U.S. And, and worldwide. So Tim, we love, we love a good CISA warning. I think CISA, yeah, wow, we're really on brand today. CISA and Conti, we're just checking all the boxes. Um, for, for anybody who's not familiar, what exactly are SATCOM networks? Well, in a way, uh, you kind of answered your own question uh, in the intro to that. But SATCOM is kind of your typical governmenties or nerdies or uh, uh, what is it like uh, NATSEC-ES, which now we get sort of meta by using that one too. Uh, it's for satellite communications. So, but in this case... It's not just referring to any signals that are sent and received by satellites, but specifically data networks carried by satellites, internet connectivity, in other words. So for remote locations, uh, satellite is often either the best way or the only way, in some cases, to get high-speed data because you know terrestrial services, whether they're based on cables or terrestrial radio, like microwave relays and stuff, doesn't just extend to all parts of the planet's landmass. And course, with 70% of the globe being ocean for ships and, and a lot of really remote islands, it's also kind of the best bet for connectivity. Yeah. <laughs> Can we start a segment called For Ships and Giggles? Also? Oh, yeah. Yeah, just for ships and giggles. That just would for be, ships and giggles. That would be itself just a fantastic podcast name. And let me, <laughs> since you said that, let me just put out some free advertising here for the Twitter account called Dreadnought Holiday, because my <laughs> goodness, that is good for some laughs. I am not familiar. I have some work to do after this podcast recording. <laughs> it's kind of naval history with a particular emphasis on ships that were not good ideas. Ooh, ooh. Chapter in that book or subsite, microsite, Staring at your navel, a reflection on naval ships. Oh, there's got to Yeah, that's right. That's right. That could be <laughs> like if they did a... I would love to do a podcast with whoever it is that's behind Dreadnought Holiday because they are hilarious. And uh, they, would, they would probably be an awesome podcaster. But we digress, as we <laughs> never actually do, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. All right, so Tim, the next question I have for you, sounds like CISA and the FBI said there were possible threats, but if it comes to fruition, what does that really mean for uh, the public here in the United States? It would depend a lot on what specific satellite network was disrupted. So uh, if it was a network that's principally involved in providing internet access to remote locations, then Statistically speaking, for most Americans, it wouldn't be a big deal. But of course, for those affected, it would be. They'd lose an important part of their connection to the rest of the world and services that people have come to rely on day to day, including sometimes critical services like healthcare or proper functioning of certain infrastructure. Now, for some SATCOM networks, it might uh, act more like what you see when some other big 
chunk of internet infrastructure or resources goes offline. Like think about when a big data center goes offline for a while and then you've got various, you know, cloud services or platforms or whatnot that are offline. Um, so, you know, in this case, we're talking about transport rather than data at rest in a data center, but the net result could be similar, you know, or maybe if it's weather satellites or something like that, then there's services that uh, aviation relies on. For example, it's not just, you know, what do you see on the five o'clock news in the satellite pictures, but if you are in the aviation business, then satellite weather is really, really critical. So it the answer is it just it very much depends on what network we're talking about. Thanks, Tim. Uh, that sounds like an important nuance there. So thank you for sharing that. Um, and and this warning comes after the KSAT. I hope I'm saying that correctly. It's KA-SAT network of U.S. satellite communication provider ViaSat, which is used by the Ukrainian military was affected by a cyber attack, which uh, which led to outages. Is the CISA and the FBI warning that the same could occur in the United States? Is that how you are reading here between the lines? Yeah, so KASAT, I believe, refers to which particular microwave band that satellite operates in. But essentially, yes. But let's keep in mind uh, that the impact would likely be very different because in Ukraine, you've got the Russians disabling as many different communications networks as they can. So satellite has become a method of last resort for many users, where users is not just civilian end users, of course, but the Ukraine's army and government and so forth. But as a lot of folks know by now, this event is also what was behind the disabling of some 8,500 German wind turbines. Uh, it wasn't initially understood that this was the root cause there. but So the bottom line is that as long as Russia or some other actor doesn't also disable big chunks of other communications infrastructure, then the impact in the U.S. probably wouldn't be as dire as it is in Ukraine. But obviously, it still could be quite disruptive. Uh, one of the articles that I read on this men mentioned ships, right? The loss of satellite comms could have major safety implications, not the least of which is the ability of the ship to send a reliable distress signal if something goes wrong. Now, ships have other communications tools. Uh, they have long-range HF radio, for example. So they're not 100% in the dark if they lose SATCOM, but it's a significant impact for sure. But in general, yeah, you know, it is... It is certainly theoretically possible that the same thing could happen in the U.S. And will it become a practical reality? You know, time will tell. Tim, with all of that in mind, did CISA or the FBI provide mitigation strategies for SATCOM network providers in case something like this were to take place? Yeah, or, or to try to prevent it from taking place. Yeah, absolutely, they did. And even though satellite data networks are somewhat exotic for most of us, the recommendations will sound very, very familiar. So have good network segmentation, have strong authentication, look carefully at remote access policies, review service provider data policies, ensure you have good visibility and maybe step up your log monitoring, uh, ensure your patching is as current as feasible. And my favorite one, and I'm being sincere about this, is enforce the pr principle of least privilege. Really, everything in InfoSec boils down to that, right? So we all, what we all need to be doing is living least privileged lives in our work with computing resources. You have to be just absolutely spring-loaded to think 
does this thing need to be able to access that thing? And thing here could mean a human accessing an account. It could mean a network having open ports to another network. It could mean a process talking to memory. If every instance where packets move from one spot to another isn't subject to well-engineered least privileged design or configuration, then bad stuff's going to be possible. So I think these recommendations were right on the money. They were unsurprising, but it's a good reminder to folks that they really need to look at this. So if you're in the SATCOM world and you were planning on, you know, you had an initiative to take care of this or that or the other chunk of your security policies next month, well, you get this warning from CISA and you say, you know what, let's move that up to right now instead of next month. It, it may have those kinds of, of good effects. Very well said, Tim. And like you said, spot on advice um, from those agencies. And with all of that in mind, let's go ahead and do our hoodie ratings. And, and Taylor, why don't you go first here? Yeah, this is an interesting one because of how widespread and quickly it can get <laughs> like distributed and, and abused. Uh, this is not the first time we've uh, seen APT groups targeting. I mean, from a destructive standpoint, yes, but we've seen them leverage SATCOM ISP providers uh, to do command and control stuff in the past. So it's not super new from that, but from a, hey, we're going to try and impact these things all at the same time. Um, I'm going to go, I'll go five and a half hoodies, five, like uh, five hoodies and then one hoodie kind of right down the middle. A down the middle hoodie. <laughs> I like it. I like yeah. it. For the half of your body, that's chilly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> further away from the heater. Yeah. <laughs> There's got to be someone in, a, in a, a song video somewhere that was wearing an exactly half a hoodie like that. I mean, if you think about all the millions of hours of videos that have been produced, that I'm sure it exists somewhere. Tom Hanks, you probably know somebody that could just dial that up and, and send us a link to it. So if you think of that, you know, if you're not that busy, uh, maybe you could could hit us up with that one. You know, maybe they should start, you know, how they make like special necklaces that are cut in half and like your best friend or your partner has the other half. Oh, yeah. That'd be nice for a hoodie. And then when you're like, just, you know walk in with a hand over the shoulder or whatnot or what you know whatever that is then you you create a full hoodie together isn't that beautiful you know one of my college friends and i uh ripped a dollar bill in half and we each carried our half of it and he graduated a year or two ahead of me but for years afterwards whenever we found our way into the same place we would pull out the wallets you still got it yep still had it so we figured you know if the wheels totally came off and we were in the same place. We could we could buy a candy bar. Back Aww. in the day when you could That's buy a candy ahead. bar for a buck, yeah. you know. <laughs> Not now, That's probably. Sweet. <laughs> I like so, that. So uh, anyway, as far as hoodies go, um, you know, for Ukraine, this was a 10 hoodie kind of event. And for the U.S., I want to believe it wouldn't be quite 10 hoodies, but... But it's scary. I think if it happened, this would be a really a, a pretty big hoodie event, unless it was on some really, in the grand scheme of things, minor satellite network, which it probably wouldn't be, unless that was practiced for the big thing. So, but it hasn't happened, and we don't know if it will. I, I'm going to put it at seven hoodies. Seven hoodies. 
Well, we'll see if if there are any changes from the theoretical to the the practical application, and maybe we can come back to this. But hopefully, we we don't get to a place where that's the case. Uh, but thank you for sharing your your analysis here, Tim, and for your thoughts around this particular discussion. And let's jump in here to our game two truths and a lie and for those again tuning in oh taylor's ready he's pumped um (laughs) this is a very simple game just like two truths and a lie but rather than talking about ourselves instead um one of us shares three statements of article titles two of which are true one of which is a lie and uh, the other two co-hosts dare to guess which is the lie and there's a point system and and um you know there's ego, there's everything, there's mischief. I laughed at that. It was better than cats. <laughs> Let the debauchery begin. Taylor is up this week to lie to his cohort. <laughs> okay. All right. So I know I'm in a distant third place. So potentially a chance to gain some ground here. Uh, let me read these headlines. One of them is a lie. First headline, uh, Cyclops Blink Malware sets up shop in Asus routers. Cyclops Blink Malware sets up shop in Asus routers. Tesla is the new number one most spoofed brand in phishing attacks. And then developer self-supply chain sabotages their own NPM package to protest the Russian invasion. Hmm. Well... I have a hypothesis here, which is probably wrong, but it is that that Elon Musk somehow would have tweeted about it if Tesla mm-hmm. was the most spoofed brand, even though that's sort of negative news, because I just feel like he couldn't help tweeting about it if that happened. So again, I'm, I'm probably absolutely wrong, but I'm, gonna, I'm just going to hang my hat on that one this week. What was the other one? So there was Tesla, there was Cyclops. What was the th- the the third? Uh, a, Delifer, a developer self supply chain sabotages their own NPM package to protest the Russian invasion. How dare Adele do that? <laughs> Is that what you? <laughs> I know. Saying? Just just make another record. <laughs> crying out loud, they're beautiful <laughs> <Yeah>. records. <laughs> oh my gosh! You know what? I'm going to agree with Tim here. I feel like that. Yeah, I, you know, I like to think I'm pretty plugged into the tweeters. And I feel like we would have heard from Musk. Um, well, so you guys got to understand that this news might have just happened today, right? Have you, have you, when was the last time you checked Elon's Twitter account? I don't follow Elon. It's just, you know, he, yeah. he shows up. Uh, but that's an excellent um, point. That's that it could be breaking news. Breaking news. I'm breaking bad news. I wish yeah. it were. It was the lie. Woo! Did you see uh, how he tried to sell us, Tim? I know. I know. It was I good. Know. It was good. I I, uh, I happened to have, I, I did hear about the the guy that uh, sabotaged his own supply chain. I saw that story. So that <laughs> helped a little bit. Dang it. This game go more is obscure. hard. It is hard. Well, I feel like we're all getting better at it, which is difficult because... It, it, it challenges you to be more deceptive and to right. Keep a We're getting better eye. better at it on both sides of the equation. Yeah. 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 
Oh man. Or Tim. or not. You know, we might we might all be getting worse at it and the the effect would actually be the same as <laughs> as odd as that may seem. That's true. I feel like our listeners are the ones that could hold us accountable. There are a objective perspective on that. So feel free to let us know how we're doing. Like a little bumper sticker, like how's my driving bit? How's my two truths and a lying? You're going to receive a survey after you listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> a new browser will will open, new window. Don't Oh be, my goodness. Don't be you worried. Know, we are getting surveyed to death these days. It's just it's too much. Too much I say. It's true. It's true. I'm withholding from my my survey joke about a survey about how much you like surveys, but I guess I didn't withhold because I just said it anyway, just by putting the thing. I'm like in front a of it. I'm like a seven out of ten on surveys. <laughs> Do you? Here's a statement. Um, we'll use the Likert scale. I receive too many surveys from strongly, strongly agree. Disagree- <laughs> 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 oh gosh. Well, there's no there's no forced survey here from Breaking Badness, so have no fear. Um, but if you do want to share your feedback, don't hesitate. You can add any of us. We're always happy to be added. Um, <laughs> if you add Tom Hanks, it takes a little longer to get to us. Just just be aware of that. But you can totally do that too. Yeah, he appreciates it when people do that. So you know, we're very closely associated with his brand. I would say, of course, <laughs> naturally. <laughs> Any Hoosier, uh, thank you both for another great episode. And we'll be back here for another episode soon. And like I said, there's some fun stuff coming up. So keep an eye out. Keep your ears ears to the ground and in your headphones. Um, or again, however you like to listen to Breaking Badness. And we'll be back for another episode here next week. I like any Hoosier. I, I guess it just, you know, anyone from Indiana. I, I'll take Larry Bird. <laughs> all right. See you next week. Goodbye now. Thanks all. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at domaintools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click. Click.